like on our trip, that was the big thing. It's like I'd spent, both of us had spent three years straight, like hustling as much as possible to save as much as possible. And then we take this trip where we're not really doing that much. And that space to just think about things and come up with ideas was way more valuable than I ever would have thought. I, you know, I just, I thought, okay, this is just a hobby. It'll bring in a little bit of money. Um, and then went from that to, wait a minute, if I really focus on this and we, we both collaborate together, we could probably grow it into something bigger than that. And, uh, and so that space to think was really important. Welcome back to En Route the Power of Travel podcast. We are your hosts, Kim and Aaron, and we got a great interview today for you. We are, we're so excited. So we got to interview our friends and fellow travelers, Jared and Whitney, and they, they've got a lot going on. Oh yeah. On. Okay. We talked they about. They are busy, busy. We talked about so many different things on this episode that we actually ran out of time and we're going to have them back on to talk specifically about traveling the world and budgeting and working while traveling because we didn't get to it. Well, it's kind of funny because of the interviews we've been doing, they were the first that kind of had a hard stop because they had something else that they had to go get to. So in a way, thank goodness they had that it was hard over stop an hour. because we would have literally talked for three hours. But I'm telling you, we we dig into so many. There's so many nuggets in this. So. Jared and Whitney are PTs, so they're physical therapists. They've been traveling together as a couple for the past six years. They started traveling right after college. Yeah, new grads. They just jumped right in, and they have two different websites. So one website they have, it's called thefifthwheelpt.com, and it's a website and personal blog specifically talking about finances. So they're huge in the financial freedom and semi-retirement world, which I didn't even know was a thing, but it's a whole community of people out there who are determined to work less, travel more, and live more. Live more, and we really dig into how to set yourself up as a traveler to be able to live with more financial freedom and to pay things off, build a savings account. We talk about investing and tips for people who have no idea, like Aaron and I, something we want to learn more about, For but tips for people to get started really getting, cleaning up their finances and getting on a path that can really help them get more financial freedom and time freedom. Those yeah. are the two most important things. Well, and what I love about their story too that came out is they've just literally learned what they were passionate about, learned something they wanted to learn more about, and then applied it in their own life and then are now teaching it. They're not financial advisors. They're not, they don't have financial degrees. They literally just put pen to paper and what do you call it? Eyes to computer and read and learned and now applied it and it worked. And so they just give what they've learned. And we learned so much. We were like, Aaron and I were like taking notes. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to go back. And like, we could have picked their brains all night just on the finance part of it. But they're also huge mentors and teachers for traveling therapists. So their other website is called Travel Therapy Mentor. And that's where they have tons of resources to help travelers get started and to really set themselves up for not only success as being a traveler and getting them acclimated and prepared for the traveling world, but also financial success. So they also, they they weave in a lot of the finances in with traveling. 
And so they are a great resource for that. They also have a Facebook page. Again, this is all Travel Therapy Mentor, where they do weekly, weekly videos where they show up and they are just dropping so much wisdom about the traveling industry. That's why they had to get off with us because they had to jump on their training that they do every Sunday. They are just a plethora of knowledge. They are so much fun to talk to. We talk about finding passion. And one of the main drivers for them is why they worked so hard to get to a place with more financial freedom. Is a, they, So they had more time and space to explore other passions and be creative and travel and get out there, not be so burned out with the rat race of life, but really find more meaning and purpose. Well, and I mean, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know that that is our jam. Like, and it was so cool to speak to like-minded people that have a you know different route, but still a lot of similar feelings um, in how they go about their life as a traveler. And I just thought that was really, really, really cool to talk about. You guys are going to love, love, love this episode. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, nope, I was going to say they are definitely our kinds of travelers, our kind of people, and the reason why they wanted to travel was to create a different type of lifestyle and to travel more, um, see the world, which we're obsessed with. Yeah. So without further ado, welcome Whitney and Jared to the podcast. Welcome Whitney and Jared to En Route the Power Travel Podcast. We are so happy to have you guys here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah, we're so excited to talk to you guys. And what really attracted us to you guys is that you've really used travel therapy as a way to become financially independent, create more flexibility in your life, travel. You guys are huge world travelers. You travel a lot and take a lot of time off work to travel, which we're going to get into. And also you are entrepreneurs and you work on tons of other passion projects. And so we wanted, there's so much that we want to dig into with you guys. And it's funny because we were chatting when I started writing up, you know, all the questions and stuff that we wanted to talk about. We were laughing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is like a five hour podcast. Like, So much that we wanted to pick you guys' brains about because you guys are doing so much. So let's just kind of jump into it and let's take it back and really kind of dig in a little bit to your entrepreneurial journey. And you guys are travel therapists. How long were you traveling as therapists before you got inspired and got the idea to start your first website, your first blog about really educating other travelers on creating financial freedom and uh, personal finance? Uh, Yes, we started traveling as new grads. It's been about six years now, and it was about nine months into our travel therapy journey. We'd done about three contracts uh, when I basically decided to make the fifth OPT website. And uh, the big reason there was I got a ton of questions from therapists and friends and family about a variety of topics. So I was like, hey, if I start a website and write articles about these common questions that I get, then I can just send those articles to people instead of typing out a lengthy response every time. So it kind of started as just uh, a way that I could save time responding to people's questions. Um, So I'd never really thought, I never really anticipated it growing into like a 
uh, business or anything. It was more just a, a way to answer questions in the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, at the time when Jared brought it up, I just felt like overwhelmed enough with like figuring out the nuances of our own life. Like just, I felt so busy with starting our careers and traveling. And I was like, how are we also going to have time to do this? But, you know, Jared was really passionate about um, wanting to do, he's probably a lot more entrepreneurial than I am. And I'm really glad looking back that he had the idea to do it because it's blossomed into so much more. But um, yeah, a big driver back then was like when we started back in 2015, there just wasn't a whole lot of information out there. And Jared was really digging into just like forums and like things. There just weren't all these Facebook groups and there weren't all these bloggers out there. And so it just felt, felt like there was a need to write down some of what we were learning and experiencing to help other people along their path. And then also it was like, well, once you already have a blog, you can also write about your own travels. So we were like, well, this will be fun because we were living in an RV. Like we could write about our own stuff. And then Jared loves to write about finance too. So it just kind of became this like catch-all, like we'll just write about stuff. Yeah, it, it was a, it evolved over time for sure. But um, I think it was a combination of wanting to write about personal finance, financial independence and travel therapy and kind of merging those together. That was um, and really just answer the questions I was getting commonly from classmates and things like that uh, about travel or about personal finance. Um, and it just grew from there. That's where, that's always where the best ideas come from, right? It's like people were asking questions and you're like, Hey, let me try to streamline this process in a way that when someone asks me something, I can just send them to the blog or, you know, send them to a podcast or YouTube video. And that's how a lot of these, you know, side hustles or small businesses get started is just a need, a void in the market that there's a need for. Well, what's the fundamental basis of any entrepreneur is you have the ideas and the thought process is there's a need, there's a void in the industry and let me fill it with something efficient. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Jared, you're okay. And maybe I could be wrong, but it seems like you're really the one that's hardcore into the personal finance and kind of what inspired this whole idea when you started your first blog geared towards finances. Were you always really into financial freedom or was traveling kind of what kicked that off for you? Like what came first? Um, it was, uh, I think I've always been like a pretty big saver. So I can remember as long as I can possibly remember um, saving money, like uh, any money I got for birthdays or uh, doing chores and stuff like that, I would save all of my money. And so I don't know, I think I uh, kind of grew up in, a situation where my family wasn't great with money. And I think seeing some of the frustrations they had really made me realize, hey, if I can save money, then I don't have to have these same frustrations. And so I think that started at a really young age. And um, it kind of was on the back burner through undergrad and grad school because I didn't have that much money. Like, you know, um, I was working part time and just doing the best to get by, but uh, didn't have a lot of money to save. So it kind of was on the back burner. We were doing a little bit with credit card rewards, even back then. Yeah, I would still like do some credit card reward stuff, but nothing major. And then um, really, I think the obsession with personal finance and investing came from probably five or six months before graduation. I was like, okay, I've got almost six figures in student loan debt. Uh, What am I going to do with this? And that kind of searching for options for how how to handle that led me down a rabbit hole of personal finance, which led me into financial independence. And then I just started reading and listening to um, blogs and podcasts nonstop. And that was the beginning of beginning of everything. So by the time I started writing about it, I had been really heavily reading and listening for about a year. 
Wow. So like when you were a kid, kind of what you said is like, basically you saw family issues with, with money. Were you saving for something in particular? Were you saving to buy things or were you just saving for down the road of like, this is kind of an emergency fund and that's how your mind frame was. If you can remember that young, I'm just interested in, in what you were thinking about at that, at that age. Yeah, it was just, just saving to save. Um, I'm just, uh, I guess some people are natural savers and uh, yeah, I think seeing my family, like having issues paying bills and stuff like that, I was like, you know, they wouldn't have these arguments or whatever if they had money saved. And so for me as a, as a kid, I was just like, Oh, saving money, will avoid a lot of these things. And that as long as I can remember, that's how I felt about it. Huh? Yeah. You guys have, you had mentioned your uh, fifthwillpt.com, which is the website where you have all of the resources for, you know, financing and budgeting and student loans and, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, all of those things, which we're going to dig into a little bit further on into this conversation, but just, okay. So you're starting this, this blog and, you guys are like, wow, this is, this is fun. And we're sharing what we're learning on the road. How long did it take you to realize, okay, maybe we're onto something here. Maybe this is catching on and people are actually paying attention and other people are reading this besides like my mom. Yeah, it took quite a while. Um, I would say in the beginning, I was very, I was never a really good writer. Um, and Whitney was always the editor and I always felt like my writing was very subpar. So starting a blog was way out of my comfort zone in the first place. But like I said, I would get these questions and I'd write out long responses every time. And then I was like, okay, if I just write this down one time and I can link people to it, it'll be a lot easier. So that's how it started. But then once I started writing, I realized like, oh man, I've learned a lot of stuff in this you know past couple of years that I could really put out there and help friends and family and coworkers, acquaintances, uh, whoever finds it. Um, maybe help them to spark their passion. Like, you know, some of this stuff did for me and, you know, everyone relates with different stories and our story was fairly unique as uh, healthcare travelers and traveling in an RV and all that. So um, just being able to put it out there was exciting. And I, I got really excited about that, wrote a ton of articles that first year. And it was probably, probably after the first year or year and a half when, um, you know, the readership really started to increase and we started getting some like search engine, um, optimization, uh, things going for us and more people coming from Google and finding it that we realize like, okay, well, if we focus on this, uh, maybe it could actually be a source of pretty significant income at some point. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it went from just being more of like for a hobby to, you know, once you start to see, you could earn a little bit of money. And, um, I mean, I think you stayed net positive from the get go because it started off as just using like a free blog platform, you didn't invest any money in it up front. You just sort of took it from the ground up. And so even when you were just able to turn just a very small profit after a year, year and a half, you were like, oh, we could really maybe turn this into more. Yeah. That was the thing is from the very beginning, um, like I said, I, I didn't have really a lot of intention to have it be profitable or um, didn't know what it would turn into. So I wanted to keep costs uh, as low as possible. And for the first probably two years, it was just a free website. So we spent absolutely no money. And I uh, was just like putting stuff out there. If we got the occasional referral bonus or, um, you know, a little bit of ad revenue, then awesome. You know, this is just a, a benefit, but it wasn't uh, probably a couple years in that really that started turning into anything. Wow. Okay. So you guys, you started the finance blog. You started, it sounds like you started making a little bit of a profit about a year or two in. You're also huge mentors and leaders in travel therapy, therapy. 
like traveler, healthcare travelers. And you have a course on that. You have a website geared specifically to help people get started as travelers. And so when did that come in? Like, when did you decide to kind of start almost a completely different, you know, website or side business uh, that's geared towards travelers specifically? So that started uh, probably about three years into writing. Um, We had been traveling uh, yeah, I think we'd been traveling three years, so maybe a, uh, two and a half years on the, the website or something like that. And what I realized is um, the website was very scattered because I, I have a lot of things I like to read and learn and write about. And you never know, at least for me, I never know like what idea I might have that just sparks my interest and I want to write about it. And what I realized is that's great. Um, you know, like I, I like to write about a lot of things, but people want to go to a website for something specific. And if they come to that website and sometimes I'm writing about travel and sometimes I'm writing about budgeting and sometimes I'm writing about credit card rewards, like people don't care about all those things usually, or my own personal finance journey. Like um, they want to just come to a site for one thing. So um, once it started growing a little bit, uh, we realized that it would probably be better to kind of split things and keep Fifth PT more about finance and then have Travel Therapy Mentor be more about travel therapy and uh, helping other travelers get started. Yeah, it was, you know, in the beginning when he was coming up with the blog idea and we were brainstorming like ideas for names and things, we thought it'd be cool and catchy to call it like fifth wheel peachy because we lived in a fifth wheel camper and it was, it was fun. And yeah, like he had his little finance section on there. And then sometimes we would write about like, I would say, oh, we were on this assignment in Virginia and these are the fun things we did. But then sometimes we'd write like, educational articles too. Like, how do you get started with travel therapy? Those types of things. But we figured like, if we really wanted to maybe make it more profitable and just target an audience to say, Hey, we want to teach you about travel. We kind of needed to come up with like a different name. And so we went back and forth about, should we just change the name of the blog or should we just start a whole new thing? And ultimately we decided to start a whole new thing. And we started calling it travel therapy mentor. And the primary purpose of that was like, we're just going to pull all the educational mentorship stuff from the blog and put it over here. So people are like, I know what this is. I know what the purpose is. And that way too, when they Google it, they're like, where do I find out education and information about travel healthcare? And they type in some of those search words. And this is what comes up. They're like, Oh, these people mentor me on getting started with travel therapy. Duh. So that was our goal. Huh? So it sounds to me like, I mean, you guys are spouting off some, some pretty intellectual kind of business understanding. Was that always there? Or did you guys start as that creative project and then kind of start to learn the business aspect of it? Because it just sounds like foundationally, you guys understood what it took to, to get people to your site and to get people reading on your blogs. Well, let me just add on to that because, you know, we have clinical backgrounds, you know, right? Like we all work in healthcare. And so building a business is his own set of skills. So learning SEO and, you know, getting people to come and want to, you know, read your blog or connect with you on Facebook and, you know, what all the things that go into building a business and emails and posts and so many different things. Did you guys just learn that kind of as you were going, even like building a website, everything like what, how did you learn those skills to build the websites? Yeah, everything was just self-taught. We just did it brick by brick. Like um, in the beginning, I didn't know anything about a blog or a website or anything. And I just Googled like, how do you start a, a website? And started there, watched videos and read articles and got that started. And then, so for the first maybe six months or a year, just 
writing consistent articles. And then after that, I'm like, okay, well, what ways can I get more readers? Uh, you know, online communities are great and also search engine optimization. So then I just started Googling those things. Like, how do I, how do I do this? So everything was just gradually over time. And, and for the first three years or so, we were very busy um, working a ton, back-to-back contracts. So uh, it was very much like a weekend thing. I would just pick something that I wanted to learn about and gradually just uh, learn more about that over time. Yeah. And I have to give Jared all the credit for that. Like he just has this um, self-starter mindset. And like, you know, when we get into talking about like the finance stuff, people are like, do you have a finance undergrad? Like, do you have a business degree? He doesn't. He just takes advantage of what's available at our fingertips. And he's like, I want to learn this. So he will literally consume guys. I'm not kidding. Like thousands of hours of podcasts. He has gotten to the point where like these podcast apps will let you listen to things at two and three times speed. He listens to every podcast there is, reads every blog there is, reads every book. Well, well, not every book. You know what I mean? He just over the years was like, I want to learn about this thing. So I'm going to teach myself. And we have very different like, skill sets where he'll be he'll learn all these things and he'll be like this is what we should do and then I'm more of the like okay I'll log on to you know you just you found that maybe WordPress is the right one for us to use so I'll log on to WordPress and figure out how the interface works create the pages to look pretty the way I want them to look I'll edit all the words I'll create the posts for Facebook but he is like the idea guy he just like comes up with it learns about it so it was definitely self-taught yeah, I think a really important thing for us is that, or probably for a lot of people, is they they don't start something just because they don't know everything about it. And um, instead, I, I was just like, well, I don't know everything about it, but I can figure out things one thing at a time. And, you know, if over time it grows to something wonderful, if it doesn't, then, you know, at least I'm, I'm not really out much except my time. So uh, I always had that kind of attitude. I love that because... We always talk about this and especially when people come to us about, you know, wanting to start anything on the side nowadays with YouTube, with podcasts, with books, with all the resources, even just with traveling, people who want to get started with traveling. There's so many incredible resources that you can learn anything. Everything is figure outable. We always say that it's a quote by uh, Marie Forleo and it's such a, a great like mantra to live by because don't let not knowing how to do something hold you back. Just learn little by little and just take the next step. And then you figure out the next step from there. You know, it's a building block. It's a process. And, yeah. and I think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I also love in you guys is just kind of chatting back and forth, especially talking with entrepreneurial couples. I love how just kind of unintentionally, you guys figured out what each other is good at and then just kind of went with it. And it, it, it blends into like a great working relationship. Not that it's saying it's not tough at times, but you know, it's kind of like how Kim and I have formed. There's just things that I have kind of morphed into that I'm way better at. And so when it comes down to those things, I do those where Kim is better at scanning research and reading and, and reading blogs and listening to podcasts. And she comes with me to ideas and then I'm more of a put it to action executor, executor kind of kind of thing with the big kind of dream. So it's kind of awesome to hear you guys just talking about that naturally um, and hearing you guys' skill sets have uh, really combined to make what you guys have created. 
Well, taking a side route really quickly, because you guys are a couple that works together and you're building something together, has that always been easy as far as like you, you each seem to have your different roles and your different tasks and you kind of work cohesively to, you know, build the bigger idea, but did that, was that always easy for you guys? Or did you really have to sit down and have some conversations? Cause it's not always easy working with your partner. No, no, it's really evolved over time. Um, kind of as I mentioned in the beginning, when Derek had the idea, to me, it seemed like I didn't really want to go down that road at first. Like, I just felt like my 40 hour work week and dealing with just your daily in and outs of traveling and moving from place to place. And like, also, we were new clinicians, like, we were new grads. Um, I felt like that was enough. And we had our weekends already busy, but just wanting to explore and do things. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of work, but Jared was like, fine, whatever. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I would say for the first couple of years, like at least year and a half to two years, he was the main driver of all this. And if he hadn't had that persistence, it wouldn't be where it is today. And for a while he tried to like, get me to get on board with it and help more. And I was almost just like annoyed with it. Really. I was like, Oh, like we don't have time for this. I have, you know, I'm always like a to-do list person. Like I think more in the moment, I think like I need to do this, this, and this. And he thinks more in the big picture. So there was some struggle there in the beginning to like have us both get on board with it. But once we finally did after probably like the second two and a half, three years, like we've gotten a ton better with kind of clearly defining our roles and working together to meet these goals. And that's when really things took off. I think is when we both kind of got on the same page with it because then there was two people putting as much effort into the business. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know this as well, but um, when you start out with anything, it's really tough in the beginning because you have no positive feedback for the most part. Like uh, there's no one reading, there's no one watching, uh, there's no one listening, and you're just putting all this content out there, hopefully hoping that one day it'll catch on. And for a lot of people, that is, um, it's really hard to do. It's hard to be consistent with it. And there was a lot of times where I was like, well, she doesn't really care about this. We're not getting that many readers. Uh, probably wouldn't even matter if we just stopped, but I hate to quit things. So there was several times where I was like, well, this is not worth it. But I didn't want to quit. Uh, I didn't want to just say like, oh, I quit doing this because it was hard. So just kept at it. No, I I love that. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that Kim and I talk about a lot. And I always hear a lot of these entrepreneurs and stuff and say, you know, we did it for the love. It was a creative outlet. And I I do agree with that, like 100%. But I also feel like when there's nobody reading, when you're not getting any feedback and you're putting all this work into it, and it is, you're, you're choosing. We don't like the word sacrifices. We like the word choices you're choosing to do something, but it is taking away from like what Whitney said, like going out and exploring and and just being in the new area. And so that drive of like saying that like, oh, I didn't want it to turn into anything, but I do feel like that is a driver when nobody's reading it that you want to keep putting out and putting out and putting out because you want it to turn into something. And so I do, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I'm like, you know, deep down, you do want it to be something or you wouldn't put this work when things get hard. Or just having that motivation, I think too, is like having that motivation that, okay, even if a couple people now are reading the blog or watching the YouTube video and you start to see even a little bit of momentum forward, it's enough to keep you going. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, if it's just crickets, you know, for years and years and years, I feel like it would be kind of discouraging 
to continue to put so much work into something, even when you love it, of course, but when you're, you know, putting in 40 plus hours a week, it's like, you want to have, you know, somebody, is anybody out there? Like, does anybody care? So I guess what was that pivotal moment for you guys when you had that click of like, okay, like we're getting a little momentum here and, and let's keep going. Like wits on board now, like let's keep going at this because we're starting to see some results because one big thing and misconception that a lot of people have is things happen overnight or things happen mm-hmm. very quickly. And as we all know, most, you know, entrepreneurial journeys and building a successful business is a slow burn and it takes time and it takes dedication and focus. So things don't happen overnight. So we like to really bring that to the forefront. So people know, you know, it takes some, some work. So what was yeah. that for you guys? An interesting thing about the beginning is, uh, like I said, the first website was extremely broad. I wrote about everything from like, uh, I wrote a couple of philosophical articles, just things that I was listening to that inspired me. I wrote uh, one or two articles on diet. I wrote about pretty much everything, anything that sparked my interest at the time, which was kind of a good thing uh, at the time because it kept me going. So whatever I just had the, uh, the desire to write about, I would just write about. And I knew not a lot of people were reading it, but like I said, I could always, if I ever got questions on why do you do the thing you do with diet or why do you do, how do you save so much? I can just link people to those articles. So that's, that's really what kept me going in the beginning, even though no one was reading. Um, but then, yeah, after about three years or so, we kind of split the, the websites. Whitney got on board. Um, that made a huge difference that uh, we had, at that point started getting consistent readers and questions and emails and things. And once that starts happening, then it's way easier to stick with it because you're like, Oh man, now I'm actually seeing that I'm impacting people. Like, that positive feedback is a wonderful thing you start getting. I think too, around that same time is when you were getting close to your true financial independence number, like your savings rate was so high and you were really close to financial independence. And as we'll get into talking about, as we talk about like our travel journey is this was actually the exact same time that we decided we could afford to take six months off that year in 2018 to go travel around the world. And I think we saw it as like, Hey, this is actually picking up now. So at the time we, we had a, a financial plan where it was like, we can afford to take off this three or six months just on travel contracts. But if we have a little bit of supplemental income from the website too, we can afford to have an even more flexible and comfortable lifestyle where we can take off these bigger trips. So that became inspirational. And it, and it really, I think that's part of what got me on board when we were taking that six months off and um, having that space just to see it more clearly, like, Hey, this could be a whole lifestyle. If we could work online, some earn a little bit of income here, work a contract or two, travel the world. And I think that's what started to gear me towards putting in more effort. It's like, Oh, we can be on our laptop in Thailand and like make some money. Yeah. Our, our very first trip we took was in 2018 and we went to uh, about a month in Europe and four months in Southeast Asia and having that time off to think about things. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't want it to be all leisure. So we wanted something kind of to work on and already having the website was uh, the perfect thing to work on. And then that's when we decided to split them. And what really made me realize, I think that it could be something is that we made enough from the websites for that trip to cover our expenses while on the trip. And I was like, Oh, wow. If we really focus on this and I don't spend so much time working as a therapist, I can spend more time on these other things and learning more things. Uh, Cause like I said, it's brick by brick. Like there's a lot of things I still don't know that I'm learning all the time. And uh, my limit was, was time. So if I have more time, I can focus on these things and grow it more. And uh, so seeing that it was actually bringing in enough income to 
cover like our expenses was a really cool thing. And that, uh, that really shifted the focus. Yeah, that's when we started our journey to like transition from being more clinical in healthcare to being more entrepreneurial. Um, and I can remember like being in Chiang Mai, Thailand and creating Travel Therapy Mentor, like logging in, creating the, the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. A, I love Chiang Mai, just yeah. as a side note, but like listening to <laughs> talk about that is just like, Oh my gosh. Like once you get a taste of that, like, cause we're all about time freedom and financial freedom, which is what has always attracted us to you guys. Cause that's like your, your goal. And mm-hmm. when you get a taste of that, to be able to take six, six months off to go travel the world and be in Thailand and work from a cafe and write articles and connect with travelers. And you're also bringing in some money. It's like, once you get a taste of it, you're like, I could never go back right. to that. <laughs> nine to five grind two weeks off a year yeah like you can't no i mean we were actually just talking about it not too long ago i I think it was on another podcast how kim and i had zero we we had started a fitness business but then kind of left to go travel the world to kind of figure that out and we used to stand outside um co-working spaces and and want to go in and work but then we were like well what are we really going to work on and so it was just kind of that like weird kind of feeling slash I guess you would say um uh manifesting in a way like one day we're gonna come back and we're gonna be in these co-working spaces and we're gonna have real work to do and we're (laughs) gonna be like one of the other digital entrepreneurs and like that was always a dream of ours Um, yeah because it is it's addicting and it's amazing and just having that time to travel to think to be clear um you're just it's just an inspiring place to be and that's what we're all about is just that power of travel Cause I mean, it's just amazing. The ideas that come and the routes that you can go. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the best ideas I've ever had have always come from just having empty space to, I'm not specifically trying to think about anything, but like, you know, going on walks or something like that, I'll have ideas to write about things or like on our trip, that was the big thing. It's like, I'd spent, both of us had spent three years straight, like hustling as much as possible to save as much as possible. And then we take this trip where we're not really doing that much. And that space to just think about things and come up with ideas was way more valuable than I ever would have thought. I, you know, I just, I thought, okay, this is just a hobby. It'll bring in a little bit of money. Um, and then it went from that to, wait a minute, if I really focus on this and we, we both collaborate together, we could probably grow it into something bigger than that. And, uh, and so that space to think was really important. Yeah, I totally agree with you. We, that's something we're super passionate about is encouraging people to take these longer trips, whether it's, you know, a month or three months or a year, especially being healthcare travelers, we get to utilize our lifestyle. And it's very easy if, you know, you set yourself up financially, which we're going to get into next, but you, you have your finances set up where you had that space to go. And when you give yourself that breathing room and that time and that space, just to, to focus on yourself, and to be creative and inspired, like so many incredible ideas come from that life-changing ideas. I think everybody should take that time to go and just connecting. We didn't even know traveling long-term was really a big thing. We didn't know digital entrepreneurship was even a real thing until we were out there and talked to other people who were doing it. And we were like, oh my God, this is a thing. Like, right. Do this, you know? (laughs) Right. Like when, you know, when you're in school and people say like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? I, I tell people now it's like, we're, we're just, we just hit our six-year mark out of, out of graduate school. And it's like, 
I couldn't have even fathomed what our life has become because it didn't really exist, at least in my world, you know, we're in physical therapy school, that, that type of frame, like framework didn't exist. We just sort of created it via travel healthcare and via like, honestly, Jared, just wanting to learn about other things. Like, I think I get a little bit focused on like, okay, I'm a healthcare provider. Let me learn about healthcare things, but he likes to listen to other types of media, like these finance podcasts and the, and these bloggers. And he learned ideas from other spaces that he was like, we could do this in a different way. We could design a lifestyle. And now our life has just transformed because of travel, healthcare and entrepreneurship to something I couldn't have even fathomed six years ago. Well, you're so right, because I mean, that's what the beauty of having podcasts and having YouTube is you're you're exposed to branches outside of your like tree that you've seen your whole life. And I used to tell Kim, I'm sure Jared, you can relate to this um, possibly, but I used to tell Kim, look at all these houses everywhere we go, these big houses, these people, there's so many people living in these houses. I just want to knock on doors and ask people what they do for a living, because I feel like my tree is really small and I need to grow information and learn maybe something will trigger in me because I can tell you that the route we're going right now is not where I see myself down the road, but I don't have any information to go off of. And so now with the beauty of social media and podcasts and YouTube, you can really expand that and be like, wow, there's somebody trudging a path before me. I can do that too in my own way. And I think that's just an amazing thing that we have nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it wasn't until I started basically the research on uh, student loans and that led me to financial independence, which led me to some bloggers basically that had used principles of financial independence to get to a position where they could do these long trips. Because yeah, before that, that was 2015. I didn't know that existed at all. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. Once you see that other people have done it, then it's like, oh, I could do the same thing. I just have to figure it out. They figured it out. I can do that too. Um, and before, I don't know what people did before the internet and YouTube and blogs and stuff, because it would have been so hard to get information. But now anything you want to learn about, you just have to spend some time and you can learn it. It's really not that difficult. A hundred percent. Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about the financial independence and the semi-retirement, because I remember I was reading your guys's blog. This was a, this is a while ago. This might've been a couple of years ago. And you got, you were talking about the semi-retirement and I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And so can you kind of just explain for somebody who may have never heard this lingo before, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. So, you know, when Jared was looking into just finances in general, he somehow stumbled upon this movement that people are calling financial independence. And some people will call it the financial independence, retire early or fire movement. Um, for example, there's a podcast called Choose FI, Choose Financial Independence. So by definition in this community, they define financial independence as being in a state where you have enough invested and saved that you can safely just live off of your investments and your savings without being required to work any longer. And that principle is based off what they call the 4% rule. And what that means is if you, for example, have like an investment portfolio with, you know, your stocks and your bonds and everything, you could have so much in, in that account and those accounts that you could each year for the rest indefinitely, the rest of your life, withdraw 4% of your accounts. And then it's going to safely grow at hopefully the stock market grows like seven to 8% a year um, indefinitely. So you can safely withdraw 4% and not have to work. And so at that point, work basically becomes optional 
And a basis, um, this premise, basically, you have to know what your expenses are going to be. So you have to define how much do I need to spend each year to know how much you're going to need to withdraw to figure out what they call your financial independence number. So for example, if you're somebody who says, I need to spend $50,000 a year, well, then you'd have to run the math to say, how much money do I have to have in, in my investment portfolio to be able to safely withdraw 50,000 a year. Which would be 50,000 times 25 to get that number. Mm -hmm. So what it really comes down to is what type of lifestyle are you going to choose to live? Are you someone who's going to choose to live really frugally and, and say you, you know, some of these people in the financial independence community are super frugal. They're like, I live off 10,000 a year, you know, whatever. Um, but that's basically the definition of financial independence. Um, and then when people get to this financial independence number, a logical conclusion is that they usually retire early, but some of them decide that they don't want to retire early because maybe they, they have other passions or other hobbies or, or they still want to work part-time because they love their career. But what we've really shaped it to be, um, and why we call what we do semi-retirement is there's not an all or nothing. It's not like you're financially independent or you're not, you can have a gradient there. Like you could have a good nest egg where you're pretty financially secure. But now, like, for example, us as healthcare workers, maybe you get to the point where you're like, I'm financially comfortable with my savings, but I can only work one contract a year or I can work PRN. So I don't have to work full time now to be able to earn enough uh, on my living. Um, so that's why we call ourselves kind of like semi-retired because we still work some, but we also still have a really good um, financial investment portfolio and enough savings that we don't have to work full time anymore. Yeah, the, the semi-retirement thing came about like 2018 when we'd been working, saving a ton for a few years and we had a lot of money saved, but not enough that we could just never work again. So we started calling that semi-retirement because we planned on taking at least half the year off and only working half the year. So, um, you know, half the year would be retired and half the year we'd be working. Wow. Okay. So when you say you're living on 4%, does that mean that you're investing, you know, X amount of dollars, you're, you're living on 4% of that and you're taking that out every month or every year? Like, how does it actually work with you? You're taking out 4%. I'm going to let Jared kind of dive into the, the depths of that, but I will say it really depends. Like that's a, that's a rule of thumb that some people use, but then, then you get into your logistical questions of like, am I going to start withdrawing before retirement age or which accounts am I going to have it in so I can safely get some money out? And there's just all these logistical questions, but you know, the essence of it is like, you're going to put aside a big chunk of money so that you have savings. Yeah. So the importance about that, that 4% number and why that um, is so prevalent out there is because on average, like say you invest all your money in an S&P 500 index fund, uh, the average return there over a long span is somewhere between eight to 10% on, on average. But in there, there's some really good years and some really bad years. And if you retire and you plan to live off of your investments and you're unlucky enough to start right when the market, like when the market goes down, um, you can run out of money if you're withdrawing like uh, eight to 10%. So, you know, if 8%, eight to 10% happened every single year, uh, and there was no variance, then you could withdraw that amount and you'd be fine. You wouldn't ever eat into your principal. But it just so happens that there are a series of years where the return is negative. And if you're withdrawing that much, you might run out of money. So the 4% rule is basically a really conservative estimate of how much you can spend per year based on what you have invested and not run out of money. Um, and this has been uh, tested in various historical um, timeframes in the market. And it's got like a 96% success rate. So 
Um, if you can live on 4% of your total portfolio, then you have probably about a 96% chance of not running out of money uh, in your retirement. So, you know, you have this gradient of people in this financial independence community. You could have your like true hardcore fire people who are like, I am legitimately financially independent and I'm literally retiring and I'm not going to earn another dollar. So I am only going to withdraw from my accounts. So then you have to go through a series of logistics. It's like, do I have it in a regular brokerage account that I can get out at any time? Do I have a chunk of it in a savings account I can get out at any time? If it's in a retirement account and you there, you might face penalties to remove it like from your 401k and things before the age of 65, there's a whole other logistical model, like what there's like the Roth conversion ladder. Yeah. And we could go down a whole rabbit hole on this. So actually in the beginning, Jared did have this plan to be like, I'm going to reach this number and I'm going to actually go through these logistics of figuring out how I am going to safely withdraw 4% from my accounts. However, what happened around this exact same time is our entrepreneurial business started to pick up. So the truth of the matter is we haven't actually even had to start really dipping into like, yes, we use our savings accounts, like our bank accounts, but we have not had to dip into our retirement accounts or anything like that. And it actually happens. It seems to happen in a lot of the financial independence community because once they've freed themselves from their nine to five, they might have some kind of entrepreneurial thing or something that's earning them just enough money to pay their you know, month to month expenses. Now they're not still able to continue to invest in like have a high savings rate, but they're able to earn some money via a blog or a part-time job or, or whatever it might be to get by on their month to month basis. Yeah. Something real quick to add there too is I thought I'd be one of those people that saves this number. So I came up with my number based on my expenses, 25 times my annual expenses. When I get here, I'll just never work again. But what I found is that as humans, we want to be productive. We want to work towards things. And when I reached that number, it, nothing was different. Like I still want to do something with my day, right? So uh, that just became, instead of being a PT, now we work more online and the, the income we make is just icing on the cake, uh, so to speak. Like we already have this big nest egg. We don't have to do it, but it's something we enjoy doing. So why not do it? Yeah. So that we can live off like, so for example, in the beginning, Jared, your savings are 70 to 90% some months. But now that you're only earning a smaller amount of income via entrepreneurial and working PRN sometimes and whatever, your savings rate isn't as high. So you're not also putting money towards your investment accounts anymore. You're doing a little bit, but um, you're the money that you're making, you're spending now. So I don't know, there was just like this shift. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, we could be fully retired. Maybe if we wanted to, I couldn't, I don't have quite as much saved as Jared, but um, yeah, it just like that, that kind of like we talked about that creative space. It was like, we wanted to still do things and like earn income in a different way. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Cause I think it's so true. We were just talking to somebody, I forget who, but we were like, you know, this whole dream of, oh, I just lay on the beach and, you know, I drink pina coladas and I don't, you know, I have enough money. I am financially free. I don't have to do anything. And it's like, in reality, that would be fun for one day. Um, you know, it's like, we want to be productive and feel motivated and have purpose and be fulfilled by life. And so, you know, I love that you're able to use these resources to create more financial freedom. So then you can then put more energy into, okay, let's really focus on our website and our course and like all these creative ideas that now we can work and put energy into, you know, because I don't, I don't feel like it's, and I mean, again, this is just in maybe the circles that we run, but 
you know, everybody's not like, I literally want to stop working and do nothing. Right. Most people are like, I just want to get out of what I have to do and do what I want to do. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's extremely important because uh, I didn't realize that. And I think a lot of people that are just like going headlong towards this goal of retirement don't realize that either. Like when you get there, um, you think everything's going to be wonderful. At least that's what I thought. Like, okay, I'll get to this number. Everything will be wonderful. I can do whatever I want all day. Uh, and what I found is like, if I'm not doing things that are productive, it's really depressing. And right. so there was a time period where I was like, I don't need to work on the website. I don't need to work. I've got plenty of money. This is great. And uh, in reality, it wasn't great. Like, you know, a week or two of doing nothing might be fun, uh, but a lifetime of that is it's not fun. Right. So most people do want to transition to something that they care about doing. And not something that they have. And what's kind of funny and is like total, like first world problems is if you get to this point of financial stability and you're like, great, now I can do whatever I want. You're faced with, especially if you're young, like we are early in life, not like traditional retirement age, you're faced with like, what do I want to do? And now we have to sit around and be like, what do I actually care about? What do I actually value? What are my hobbies? What are my goals? And you're like, oh God, like, what am I going to do? So like, yeah, it's given us all this time to be like, what do we, what are we really passionate about? What do we want to make our lives look like? And, and we don't have kids yet. And we're not, we're not married at this time. And so I think a lot of people, once you're at that retirement age, you already have kids and grandkids and like, you're tired and you just want to, you really do just want to sit around, but we're young and vibrant. And now we're faced with like, all right, what do we want to shape our lives to look like day yeah. to day? Yeah. I love how you said that was first world problems. I love that. Yeah, it totally is. But it's so, it's so true. It's like, I talk to so many people that are like, you know, it's no secret. Like I, I don't enjoy ultrasound anymore. It doesn't fulfill me. I'm not motivated by it. I feel like it like drains my soul. Like it's not the work I want to do anymore. And I talk to a lot of people who feel the same, but they're like, but I don't know what I, what I want to do. Like if I could do anything and earn a living, I have no idea what my passions are, what I would want to spend my time doing. I don't even know where to start because my world is so enthralled with, I go to my job and I come home and I take care of my family, my kids, whatever that is. And it's just, you get so into this routine and the rigmarole and the rat race that you almost don't have that space to be like, what do I enjoy doing? And what would I want to do if I could do anything and make a living doing it? And I think that's why we always encourage people. If you can take that time to go travel, do it because it will spark so many things in you that you didn't even know you were there just because you have the space to be able to actually have these types of conversations that unfortunately most people don't even have, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think there's kind of two ways to uh, go about uh, finding what you want to do in life. Um, and I, I don't really think the way that we did it, or especially the way that I did it was ideal. Like basically put everything possible into getting to this goal as quickly as possible. I think that was probably a mistake. Like we could have taken a much slower path and probably not stressed ourselves as much. Or um, you can you can go the other route where you just try early in your life to figure out what it is that um, is work, like it earns you an income, but that you actually like to do. You know, like find what your actual passion is and build a, a source of income around that. And I think that's probably the much healthier approach than to just do a job that you don't really like just for the money to get to a point where you don't have to do that job anymore. But unfortunately, it's hard to know what you want to do. Like, uh, I did. I have no idea. Like, I still don't know exactly what I want to do. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a tough, uh, tough thing to figure out. I mean, yeah. I think at the beginning, a lot of people get into healthcare and they think it's what they want to do and they, they feel compassionate and they feel compelled or maybe they just choose it because they know it earns a good paycheck You know, whatever your reasons are. 
you know, personally for me, like I, I still, I, I think physical therapy is a great um, career. I like to help people, but I think a lot of times you're not taught all the nuances of what your day-to-day is going to be like, you know, as healthcare providers, we probably still enjoy knowing that we've helped someone, but we don't like productivity and billing and the day-to-day things that they don't necessarily um, teach you about in school. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. That is true. And I think even when you've been doing something for so long, you know, I've been a stenographer for 13 years. It served me well. I am so grateful for the opportunity and how it's created. I mean, traveling has basically been an investor in our next, you know, our next chapter, our next business. And I'm so grateful for, but that doesn't mean you have to do it forever. Like things can change and we evolve and our interests change. And you do it for 13 years and I'm burnt out and I'm ready to move on to the next chapter, you yep. know, and that's okay. You can be in your mid thirties, forties, and you can switch gears and you can do something different and it's all okay to explore that side mm-hmm. too. I think it's a huge point because when we tell about our journey and other people are trying to identify with our journey, because that's what we're all doing when we read a blog or we listen to a podcast, we're trying to pick up pieces of someone else's story. That we can apply to our lives. And we always tell people, you don't have to identify with our exact path, our exact reasons. You can just take what works for you and leave what doesn't. So there are certain people out there that would say, well, I'm not really a finance person and I enjoy my job. I enjoy healthcare. But what we always tell people is like financial independence and, and semi-retirement, if you even just take a little bit of those concepts and apply them to your life, you're gaining freedom because a lot of people are very passionate about what they do. And so say for all of our example, healthcare, but if you get to the point where you're feeling so burnt out that you're really not your best self, you're really not enjoying it the way you should enjoy it. You're really not providing the best patient care. If you even just work to that, to be that person who is a travel healthcare provider that is a, a, able to take one or two or three weeks between each contract, or you get to a, a point in life where you're settled down and you're able to work PRN or just work less hours, you're, you're going to be a better person in that role and you're going to get to fulfill other roles. So you can still do both, but like getting a good grasp on your finances will allow you the freedom to do one of those things or or not. But if you don't get a good grasp on your finances, you're going to be stuck in that job, whether you're enjoying it still or not. No, I I really love that you brought this up. I mean, it's a topic that just resonates with me so deeply because there was that point early on in my career that literally I wanted to get off of call, but Kim and I had made call a priority in how we paid our bills. And that feeling of I have to work basically having four days off a month working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week just to pay bills was the worst feeling in the world. And I never wanted that again. And so we, I was going to say, and you actually enjoyed doing IR. You were just so burnt out because we relied on that extra income that we had to work so hard to make ends meet that it just takes the life out of what, of of what you're doing every day, you know, you know, the whole like financial independence and semi-retirement, I think is such an interesting concept. And I love, of course, that there's this whole community, you know, it's just, it's like you, once you learn about something, it's like you learn about, you know, van life and oh my gosh, there's this whole community out there to connect with or traveling or whatever it is. But there's this whole community of people who are living this way. And, you know, we were laughing. So like, we could just do a whole podcast just on finances, especially even Aaron and I, I feel like I have so many questions because we're in a process of wanting to learn more about investing and in the stock market and that kind of stuff. And just, 
like could literally pick your brain all day just about this. But for someone who wants to just kind of learn more about this community, like what are some good resources to kind of get a, an understanding of where to start with all of this, the first steps they can take? Um, I think the very first step that anybody can do, because uh, what Aaron was saying there is very true. Um, you know, the worst feeling you can have is being stuck in a job you don't like, paying for things that you don't even get to enjoy. That's that's the worst. And so many people just get themselves in that position without even knowing they're doing it. They just, um, you know, well, I'm supposed to get a nice house. Well, I'm supposed to get a nice car. I'm supposed to get this thing. And what happens is you end up having to work all the time to pay for those things that you don't have the time to enjoy. So, right. you know, the first thing is creating some space between your income and expenses to, to just have breathing room. Um, but even before that, I think the main thing is to just make a list of your priorities. And I think most people, if they wrote down a list of their priorities in life, it's probably not to have the, the coolest house in the neighborhood or uh, the very best car. It's probably more things like spend time with family, um, be able to travel around the world, be able to do things like that, you know. And then you, you look at how most people spend their money and it's not at all in line with what their actual priorities are if they wrote them down. So the very first place to start is just write down what your priorities are in life. Like, do you really want to have a big house um, and you work all the time to pay for that house? Or would you rather have like a smaller place, but be able to have the freedom to travel and explore? Um, and I think most people, if they think about it in those terms, they realize like maybe the material things are not as important as I thought they were. Yeah. And so once you, you define your goals and your mindset and you, you've, you're feeling inspired to make a change, you know, it depends on what, what level you're starting at. Um, you know, Jared's got a ton of books and podcasts that he recommends to folks to, to just get started with learning. Um, so he could list off some of those. But then we can also just talk about like some ways that without even learning, without even doing all these things, it's just like, look at your budgeting to figure out where you can save money. Um, so if you want to list off a couple of those resources. Yeah. So in terms of podcasts, uh, probably my two favorite right now. Uh, I was interviewed on this one a few years ago. It's called Choose FI. Uh, that's a really good podcast, especially some of the earlier episodes. Um, they kind of go into some of the minutia of what are some of the ways that you can save additional money? Like, well, how can you reduce your expenses? How can you increase your income? And each, uh, how can you reduce your taxes? Things like that. And each episode will have its own emphasis. And so that's a really good podcast. There's also one called Afford Anything. And the reason it's called Afford Anything is because her tagline is you can afford anything, but not everything, which is exactly true. Like, anything you want to have, you can. And that goes back to that list of priorities. Like um, you can have the nicest house, but then, okay, you can't travel or you can have a Lamborghini maybe, but then you have to spend all your money on that car. Like, so prioritize your life. And that's basically what all of this boils down to is um, spend in line with your values and your goals. Yeah. And then you like that as far as like investing, it's called the Bogleheads Guide to Investing. It looks like Bogle, it's B-O-G-L-E heads vocal heads guide to investing and then yeah that's a that's a book and then there's another book that i really it kind of sparked my interest back in the day it's uh the millionaire next door and that's a book kind of talking about how uh, most millionaires are not the people you think are millionaires like a lot of people think oh a millionaire is someone that has a penthouse apartment in new york but in reality most millionaires are like blue collar people that just were good savers and over time they they're, uh, you know, they're your next door neighbor. You don't know that they have a lot of money because they save a lot and they were just had a moderate lifestyle and a decent income and, and they just save and they become wealthy over time and realizing that, Hey, I could do that. I, I don't have to spend all my money. I could just save and I could be a millionaire. That was like a, uh, uh, I guess a transformational, um, idea in my mind. 
Um, but as far as just saving in general, like, I think you can, you can conceptualize all this without even doing research. You know, we have, re- we have really boiled it down to some actionable tips, um, especially as it applies to healthcare travelers. Um, when you're looking at your savings, you want to look at what we call the big ticket items. So the biggest expense, the biggest categories of expenses for most people are going to be housing, transportation, and taxes. And there's actionable tips that we've we've come up with along our, our journey for how especially healthcare travelers can attack these three big categories. So housing is a huge one. Um, you know, as a traveler, you have to consider your housing back home if you cho- if you choose to maintain a tax home, and then your housing at your travel assignment. So um, it's going to depend on whether you're someone who already owns a home and has a mortgage, um, and if that is your choice to maintain that home, or whether you're at a point in your life where you would like to sell that and downsize. If you're not, you could maybe consider renting out part of your house while you're gone to cut down on those expenses. Now, on the flip side, your housing at your travel assignment. Now you just need to take into account what's, what's your priority? What's your value for some people? They just really, really want to have their own space. They really want that one or two bedroom apartment. Um, so maybe you need to look at traveling to lower cost of living areas to try to cut down on those expenses. Or if you're someone who's willing to sacrifice a little bit and make the choice to share housing, like live in a room in someone's house or have roommates, if the opportunity arises, that's a place you can really make a big impact on your budgeting and put a big gap between how much you're earning on your travel paycheck and you're putting out expenses. Second category being transportation. Um, A big thing we see a lot of people make mistake of a financial mistake is buying a brand new car and losing um, a lot of value on that car in the beginning. So you're, you're, what is it? You lose the 20%. Yeah. The average car depreciation is 20% in the first year. And I think 50% in the first like four years or five years. So um, there's a lot of depreciation up front. So if you can avoid that, that's uh, really helpful. So as far as like bills and things, a lot of people are carrying around a big car bill that they're having to pay every month. So if you have the opportunity to buy used, gently used, cut down on those monthly expenses or that upfront cost, whichever it may be for you. And then obviously as a traveler, thinking about fuel efficiency, cutting down on gas or thinking about shorter moves, like taking your transition from contract to contract, a shorter gap. So you're not wasting time and money driving from California to Florida, back to Oregon, back to Maine, cut down those travel times, you're going to cut down on your costs. And then the last category, like big ticket category would be your taxes. And of course we do get tax breaks as travelers by having our tax-free income if you qualify. But then another thing is contributing to your pre-tax accounts, like your 401ks and your IRAs and things like that. So you're not having to pay out the IRS so much in taxes each year. Yeah. Our our, uh, goal, I guess, has always been to really optimize the, the biggest expenses. So for most families, the three biggest um, in order of highest to lowest is taxes. That's usually the biggest expense for most households. Second is housing. And third is transportation. And uh, so if you can just optimize those categories, then you don't really have to nitpick about all the, the small spending things that, you know, most people think like, oh, well, I just won't buy coffee or, or whatever. Those are those are so small in the grand scheme of things. If you can just optimize the big things, that's uh, that's most of the battle. Yeah, because then we could go down the line, obviously, budgeting. Like, let's look at your phone bill. Let's look at your yeah, cable bill. Let's look at your, how many times are you buying Starbucks every week? Are you eating lunch out or are you packing and making food at home? Like, those are going to make a difference in your budget, but these bigger ones are going to have such a bigger impact. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I have, I have a quick question because a couple of years ago, Aaron and I, 
just, we got serious about our finances after all of these years and we paid off all of our credit card debt, all of our personal debt. And then we tackled savings and we saved, you know, a lot of money and we got to a place where we're like, okay, we met our goal in savings. And now we're in a place that we want to be really serious about investing. And so my question is if a traveler is starting and they have, you know, $30,000 in credit card debt and they've got a car payment and they've got all this debt, but they also want to save and they want to invest. Do you have a process as far as, would you say, pay off everything and then get into your savings and investing instead of, cause we have contemplated should, if we can save, you know, $2,000 a month, should we put a thousand towards debt and a thousand into savings? Or should we just tackle one thing at a time? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that everyone, everyone should have at least like uh, probably like a month of expenses just in a savings account that's easily accessible, just, you know, an emergency fund. If thing, and especially as a traveler, if something crazy happens, like your car breaks down going across country, uh, you want to have some savings there. But once you have that saved, um, I would say any high interest rate debt, which in my opinion is probably anything over about 6%, I would get rid of that as soon as possible. Because <clears throat> what you're looking at is can you outperform the interest rate on the debt with investments. And like I said, for, for the most part, a long-term average, uh, if you're investing in the stock market, is between eight to 10%. So anything over that, and that's, that's a risky return. Because like I said, there could be a, a series of years where uh, it's negative. And so if you have a guaranteed return by paying off debt that's higher than 6%, then you should probably take that first and then prioritize saving uh, additional money and investing after. And I think what Jared means, correct me if I'm wrong, just to put that more in layman's terms. And when he says outperform, it's like if you look at them as two columns and you're trying to grow the column that says saving and investing, and you can reasonably expect if you put some of that in the stock market, it might grow each year at seven or eight percent. Now, the other column, you're trying to lower it down. You're trying to reduce the debt, but it's accumulating so quickly at that high interest. Like if you have private loans, I don't know, 10%, if you have like credit card debt, it can be 25%. It is significantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger year over year that you don't pay it down. And you're, you're not getting the same benefit by trying to add money over here. That's growing slower. Is that what you mean? Kind of like outperform? Does that paint a good picture? Yeah. You have to weigh the opportunity cost of investing instead of paying down the debt. So if your debt is growing at 20% per year, then if you're going to put money in investment account, you need to outperform 20% a year in order to make for that to make sense. So, you know, if you have high interest rate debt, I, I can, it's very hard to, to come up with a scenario where you shouldn't pay that down quick. Yep. So I think our big, um, big picture here would be tackle that first. So when you're making, you've created this gap between your, your earnings and your expenses, like you guys said, you did, you, you went to travel healthcare. You're like, now we have this 2000 bucks a month. Where are we going to put it? Throw it at your high interest debt first. Once you're clear of your high interest debt, and now you're looking at some lower interest debt, like your mortgage or your um, student, federal student loans. Now we have this balancing act where maybe, um, would you recommend you like put some towards the investing and some towards the student loans or how yeah. would you look at that picture? So my, my opinion, um, anything over 6% debt, I would pay down very quickly. Anything under 4%, I would probably keep. Um, and that's based on that whole 4% rule we talked about earlier. Like the majority of the time you're going to outperform 4% when you're investing in like equities and things. So, um, you probably don't want to pay down debt. In my opinion, uh, everyone has their own philosophy on this, uh, probably don't want to pay down debt quickly. That's, that's very low interest. 
And then that middle zone, four to 6%, that's kind of like, uh, depends on your risk tolerance. Um, if you are, you know, pretty risky, say you have 6% debt, um, and you think that you can outperform that with your investments, then go for it. But um, you have to remember that putting that money towards the debt, you're getting a guaranteed return of that interest rate on the debt. And I think it's super important to, to say here that we're not financial advisors. We don't have uh, degrees to advise anybody about this. Um, Jerry's done a lot of research and come up with what he's comfortable with. But also in the long run, when we've had these conversations with people and, um, you know, we've explained to people that we actually haven't paid off our students. We're actually on an income driven repayment plan and we're riding out that debt. Um, in anticipation of the forgiveness while throwing a lot of money investing. That's a personal choice. And we, we ran the numbers and decided for us, the calculations made sense. But what we're not factoring in there is the emotional baggage of carrying that debt. For some people, the emotional baggage of carrying debt, even if it's low interest debt, they would rather just have it done and know that they're debt free and have that win. And that shouldn't be overlooked because there's so many people that it's like, I want to just get rid of all my debt, be debt free, like get rid of my student loans, get rid of my mortgage, everything. And there's something to be said for that. So I think that you can, you can do a balance of both. Like what we usually say in that situation is if you're a traveler who, okay, you paid off your high interest debt. Now you're, you're you want to start tackling your student loans, but don't, don't skip putting at least a small amount into your investing accounts early on so that you at least have some of that growing for your future. So, you know, whatever percentage you want to look at there, at least just put a small amount in your investments while still throwing a big chunk at the debt to get rid of it. Yeah, I totally agree with just that. It's your own, you have to figure out what works for you, right? You guys are just sharing what has worked for you and you're sharing the tools and the resources that helped you guys get into a place of more financial freedom. And so you have to look, sit down and look at your own situation and figure out what feels good to you and what your goals are. hundred yeah. percent. No, we also, like I said, we could dive into hours with you guys. This has all been absolutely phenomenal. Kim and I are over here arguing who gets the last, the last question. Um, but <laughs> I just want to say before we get into the last question, because I was, we had so many questions we want to dig into with you guys traveling and your big, you know, budget travelers. And, um, we're going to have to get you guys back on to talk just specifically about your international travels and how you guys plan for that and budgeting and stuff, because that's something that's really, um, inspiring. And to me, yeah. so, we'd love to do a, a part two. Would be great. That'd be great. Yeah, no, definitely. We want to respect you guys' time. Thank you so much for all the information you gave. And for all of our listeners out there, we will definitely have Whitney and Jared on for part two. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so very much for this. Uh, this was awesome. And hopefully we will be talking to you soon. Well, well yeah, thanks for having us. No, before we wrap up. Oh, okay. So do you guys, what, like, first of all, like, tell people where they can find you, where they can access your blog and your website and your course and your Instagram and all of the things. How can people get connected with you if they have questions, want to follow up, all of the things? Absolutely. So we are on social media. The best place to find us either on Instagram or Facebook is at Travel Therapy Mentor. Um, you can find us on our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com. And on our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com, that's where you're going to find a lot of that travel health care, how to, you know, how do I get started with travel health care? How do I understand the pay and the housing and all those things? If you guys are interested in taking our travel therapy course, it's called Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. And it's about 60 to 70% 
how do I get started as a traveler? It's designed for a travel healthcare provider who hasn't started yet or is in their first couple of assignments, still learning the ropes. And then the other 30 to 40% of this course is all on these types of financial topics. Like how can you be a financially savvy traveler? If that's your goal, if you want to optimize being a travel healthcare provider who wants to save and pursue financial independence. So we really combine forces on that course. Um, so you can find that on our website at travelthepymentor.com slash course if you want to learn more about that. Yeah, and if you uh if anybody's interested in my ramblings on personal finance and things like that. And uh, we write about our own travels and stuff like our international trips yeah, on our blog. Fifthwillpt.com. Perfect. We will link all of this too in the show notes. So you guys will have easy access to that. Do you guys have any trips coming up? Any any new trips, plans, anything in the future that you want to share about, talk about? Yeah. So we just got back um, about a month ago from Mexico. We were in Mexico for two months. That was awesome. Uh, we had planned to go to South America again um, after coming back and getting some things in order at home. But a cool opportunity just popped up. So um, Yeah. So right now we're kind of on the fence exactly what our next step is going to be. If our interview had been in two days, I'd probably have a firm answer, but um, I had been working on getting my license to practice in Hawaii and that finally came through. And so just out of the blue last week, a job opportunity popped up that I interviewed for. So I should know in a few days if we're going to instead change our entire plan and go to Hawaii for an assignment. So to be determined. Wow, that sounds That's awesome. Exciting. Yeah. Well, I so hope that one see. day we can meet again in real life in South America. Cause it's funny. I remember us talking like a year and a half ago. We were all going to be in South America around the same time. And then COVID happened. Yeah. And, and we were thinking about maybe going when you guys are going to be there again. And you know, hopefully we can all meet up somewhere around the world sometime soon. Yeah, that would be awesome. I know. Well, if not, then at least we hope to see you at TrackCon if you guys are have that in your this year, or we think you'll be traveling. I think we're going to be traveling. So fingers crossed, we're going to be on the road. Um, okay. To be determined, we're, we already have total FOMO, so you never know. We might be just- <laughs> <laughs> So oh man for that um but thank you guys so much for being on the podcast and we will talk to you guys soon all right thank you guys all right bye-bye wow what an episode that was that was a value-packed episode Aaron and I actually because they had this hard stop because like we mentioned they had their own training to get to we had a a a timer going that was set for an hour and we usually go between 45 minutes an hour like that's we've been going a little longer in our interviews a little over but usually an hour we're wrapping it up i looked down and we had two minutes left and we hadn't even gotten to the juice of the travel stuff that i wanted to dig we had two pages of questions i know i was like damn it i'm so pissed because i was so excited to dig into that with them but we are going to have them back on the podcast to talk specifically about traveling and budgeting which we're really excited about and we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we're going to put all of the links, all the things that they talked about, where you can find them, their websites, their course, their Instagram, all of the things. We'll put it in the show notes. Well, even their um, suggestions on things that they've used to learn, uh, their resources that they've learned uh, from different podcasts and books, we'll put that in there as well. Yeah. So you can get all the deets down below. If you don't know, because someone asked me the other day, if you have the podcast and you're listening, you can just scroll up and underneath it, 
there's show notes. Wow. Who knew? And there's we have all different kinds of links and resources, so scroll yep. down, people. Scroll Definitely. Down. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did interviewing them. Um, like we said, we will have them on again, but um, definitely share this out. Um, review, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and um, make sure that you click that uh, follow button so that way you can be notified when these podcasts come live. And until then, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.